and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. And here we are about raising everyone's voice. So if you are listening to our show, you know everyone is welcome. You can call in with questions or comments if you'd like at 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. Or you can just sit and listen to us. Um, That would be fine as well. We're going to have a really um, interesting conversation because today we are going to be talking with a, a lovely woman and her theme for caring with her dad was all about loving him through the journey of dementia, uh, which she walked on with him. Uh, but before I introduce uh, Carrie to you all, I just want to give a shout out to our listeners because of you, your likes, your clicks, your shares, they have had such an impact on our show. And I just can't thank you enough um, for for responding to us the way that you have. If you are living with dementia, if you are caring for a loved one, maybe your professional care partner or have a business that helps support those on a journey with dementia, a researcher, an advocate, an author, a, a playwright, a movie director, a musician, we've had you all on and you are still welcome. Just reach out to me. You can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and there's a big contact button and I I would love to talk with you about being on the show. Now, I, I do want to give a shout out to my friend uh, Jennifer Fitzpatrick. She has a wonderful book called Cruising Through Caregiving, and she's doing a virtual book club that's been going on since mid-May, and it will continue until August 28th. And um, you can find more information on our homepage, alzheimerspeaks.com. You can also find out about the Alzheimer's Disease International Survey that is taking place right now. They want to know what what do you think about dementia? And they do a fascinating um, summary every year, and this will be included in it. And then I have to give a shout-out to the MemoryCafeDirectory.com if you are looking for a place for support for your loved one with dementia and um, you yourself. It's a new peer group, and there are many of them around the country. Go to MemoryCafeDirectory.com. And then Stallcatchers is something you will also find on our homepage, and that is a place where you can actually go in and analyze real data, real Alzheimer's data, and help push the needle forward. Um, And then last, I'm just going to mention, look for very soon, uh, we are putting together a a survey uh, for dementia travelers, and I can't wait for this to launch. I think it is going to be extremely helpful to so, so many um, people around the world, and hopefully we'll be able to get airports on board to be a little bit more accommodating in different, in different areas that they serve you. Now, again, today our show is going to be about loving them through dementia, and I am so lucky to have with us Kari Logan, um, who loved her dad through Alzheimer's disease while managing care for him and her mother while working full-time. Now, does that sound like a familiar story to so many of us out there? She tapped uh, two decades. She tapped two decades of public relations work in Alzheimer's and seniors and caregiving services, and she learned how to navigate Medicare and Medicaid and skilled nursing and transitional care and the whole bundle. And so 
it's her work as an adult uh, child caregiver that led her to leave her job of 27 years to pursue a career as a writer from the lens of an adult child. So welcome, Kari. How are you doing today? Thank you, Lori. I'm doing great, and I'm so happy to be here and talk to you and your listeners, and I just want to commend you for everything that you're doing to get the word out on this disease and support families and caregivers. It's so important, and um, I'm just so grateful to have met you and to be your friend and be part of this um, wonderful adventure (laughs) of helping others through this disease. Well, thank you. And, you know, every one of us has the ability to make a big difference, not only in our loved one's life or, you know, those that we serve through our work, um, but we can share it with others as well. And and I think when we share our stories, it helps push the needle and um, supports others in their journey because you can feel so isolated and alone sometimes um, when you... That is... Yep. Yeah, that is so true. And that's really really a very key point yep so I want you if you wouldn't mind just telling us a a little bit first um, about your own journey with your dad in terms of kind of when and how he got diagnosed and and um, just so we have a little a little more feel uh, for that I'd be happy to I, I love talking about my daddy my the great protector and lover of his daughters um, and his granddaughters who called him Bop Bop. He was Bop Bop. And he was a, he was a strong man, a, a coach of all sports, um, a baseball player, basketball player. And he was just our hero. He could fix anything, do anything. And then one day everything started to change. And the first experience, was he went out in his car. He was driving to my sister's house um, in the middle of the night. He just got out of bed, and he went down to the garage and got his car, and and for some reason he thought he needed to be at my sister's house, and he became lost. Um, he couldn't find her house. He couldn't find his way home, so he fortunately pulled over in a parking lot of a grocery store at, like, 3 in the morning, and when my mom realized he was gone, uh, called me and we um, got on uh, that OnStar service in the car and were able to locate him. Um, so that was the first uh, time, and it turned out he was very dehydrated, and that's what happened to that kind of sparked it. And then it was kind of downhill from there. He would um, forget um, things that we knew he was so familiar with. And it was a very fast progression for my dad, which was good and bad. I mean, the good news is um, he didn't have to live like that for a long time, but the bad news is we lost him so, so quickly. And the disease just um, progressed to the point where he, he went into nursing care because he could no longer live um, on his own. And my mom had these incredible physical disabilities her mind was sharp as a tack, but she had all these physical disabilities, so um, she couldn't care for my dad. So we moved him to a care center in regular care, and then within probably just a couple of months, we had to move him to the Alzheimer's unit because that <laughs> it's funny, you know, I, I would love to know how many other people have experienced this with their loved ones. It's kind of like the thing that is their strongest trait, like I referenced my dad as the great protector. 
So one night I visited him and I left. He walked me to the door and I left and then the door locked and he couldn't get out. He somehow thought I was in danger. And that was the turning point, Lori. He just went kind of off the deep end, um, being very agitated, and he couldn't protect me. And that was the night that he went into the Alzheimer's unit. So it was it was quite a quite a night. And from there, he um, remained on the unit, and I became my sister and I became very involved in his care and and loved him through that those days in the memory care unit and supported his caregivers in any way that we could um, until finally in April of 2012, I walked in one day, said hi to him, and he looked at me, and I knew he didn't know how, who I was, and it was the first time that happened. And I was, my heart fell, and he looked at me, and he kept looking at me, and then he started to cry, and he said, Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what, Dad? What? And I realized at that moment that he didn't know who I was. And that man, from that day forward, he stopped eating. And wow. again, we call it we call it his last great act of protection. He didn't want uh, he didn't want to forget his daughters and his granddaughters, his family. Mm-hmm. And somehow, maybe it was just a coincidence, but he didn't live much longer after that. So, lots of lots of heart uh, hurting experiences, but also lots of heartwarming experiences through my journey with with my dad. Wow, you know your your story is almost total opposite of mine because my mom lived thirty years, and so again, this disease is so. So bizarre. You just you just don't know. What did you find were some of the most challenging moments in your caregiving experience? Well, I I call it you don't know what you don't know. Um, it's one of the things that prompted me to um, really become um, uh, provide education and support to adult children because I. I didn't know what I didn't know. So all of a sudden, you're thrown with all these things are thrown at you, managing care, finding a way to pay for it. You know, are there veterans benefits that will help pay for care? How am I going to pay for my mom? Because now she has to go into a care center in skilled nursing care. So you've got two monthly payments for two, you know, for that. And so I didn't know what to do and so I had to learn I had to teach myself so that's when I went back to my looking back at my career in public relations and all of the work and the writing I did the PR I did in that industry with the Alzheimer's Association with the Parkinson's Foundation um, Metro AAA a great organization here in Minnesota that helps so many people find resources and answers. Um, so I tapped my network. Even I even had a very good friend and former client who owned Alzheimer's care homes. So I called Jane. I'm like, Jane, I, I don't know what to do. And she jumped in and helped me. My friend Deborah Dolan, who was a senior um, care manager, um, I called Deborah, and she she jumped in and helped. And so um, that was the most challenging is finding the resources I needed. I wanted so desperately to take good care of my parents and give them the best I could with the resources we had. And so um, I spent a lot of time researching, calling, 
and trying to figure all of that out and often feeling lonely, alone, and unsupported. You know, those of you who are adult children out there know that, you know, suddenly your parent can't talk to, for example, the Medicare people anymore, So, but they won't talk to you. And so how do you... How do you do that? How do you get the information you need? And that's the kind of stuff that was always really, really challenging. I thought, don't you understand what I'm going through right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's so it's so draining, and it, and none of it is easy to maneuver through. I mean, it's just like this minutia. No. You're 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 deep into the quicksand and trying to figure out how you're going to get out of it. And yeah, it's. It's not, yes. not. Yeah, and and at the same time, you're trying to do a good job at your work. You're trying to be there for your kids. You're trying to go to their choir concerts and um, other activities that they're in and be supportive. And but every time I left my dad in the nursing home in the care center, I, I my heart remains. It remained there at his bed, and I I just couldn't. Um, I couldn't uh, let it go. Um, yep. So then I started to try to think of ways that I could do that and I could relax a little bit. Um, and I've written about those kinds of things too. Sure. Now, you know, we're talking about kind of the, the struggles and stuff. What about some of the most rewarding, you know, sides of this disease? Because I, I think yeah. so many people think there, they think there isn't one. Right. Well, and it's funny, Maury, because so many of my friends who know me well and care, cared deeply about me and they wanted me to have breaks and, you know, they would say, well, a lot of, a couple of them, their parents had passed away, um, just had a heart attack, you know, and they were gone. And they said, you must feel so um, envious or so um, cheated because you have to go on this long, you're going through all of this with your dad and we just, we didn't have to do that. And it was interesting because that without hesitation, I said, you know what? I would choose this in a minute. Mm-hmm. As awful as mm-hmm. it was, there were some amazing moments with my dad that I wouldn't have had otherwise. I knew he loved me. He told me every time I saw this man was a gentle giant. He, he would hug me. He would tear up when he said goodbye. I love you. He was a wonderful, he was wonderful that way. But um, he, uh, I wouldn't have had these times that I had with him where I could sit and care for him and give back to him what he gave to me because he gave me so much love and support and being there for me. And so now this was my opportunity to give that back to him. And I did it in a lot of ways that I found very um, rewarding for both of us. Um, and so I always preach this, you know, just amid the chaos, take a breath and, and make a list, write down all of these good things that are happening because they're hard to see in them at all. But um, I had time to sit with him, talk to him, thank him. I, I, my friend I mentioned earlier who owns the Alzheimer's Care Home, she um, introduced me to essential oils for people with Alzheimer's disease. 
And I used essential oils on my dad, and it was a miracle, the things that happened when I used those oils. And then it became very um, medicinal for me, using them and taking in those scents. And so those are the the wonderful moments, knowing that after my dad died, I knew that I did everything in my power to care for him and love him through this disease, as he would have done for me. And so I sleep well at night knowing he's in a better place and he knows um, that I was there for him. Well, you know, one of the things that I liked what you were, you, you really noticed those moments, but I think one of the things, one of the traps of giving care to somebody else, especially when we have been set up to believe that we you know, that this is going to be a struggle, this is going to be a burden. We we focus on looking on those things instead of the joyful moments, instead of the peacefulness, instead mm-hmm. of the silliness. And so I think one of the things that we really have to get people to do is what I call consciously care and look for those moments because yeah. you're, you're only going to find what you're looking for. Um, I had, um, unlike your friend who said, you know, in terms of the the time frame and stuff, I actually had two friends, both in senior housing, that said, "Oh my gosh, I'm kind of jealous of you." And I said, "Why?" Mm. I, you know, my mom's my mom's got dementia, my dad's got brain cancer, and they they both said, "Because you have such beautiful stories. My parents are healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't have those stories. I don't know them that well." You know, you know both your parents so intimately, and there. I mean, that is just such a gift, you know, to be able to have have that closeness. And um, it's just, uh, it, it's something I think that we forget to really appreciate. How did you go about kind of pres- preserving his dignity? Because I think that that's something a lot of people talk about and struggle with in terms of the journey. Yeah, I um, was just, the most important thing um, that I did, Lori, was just to be cognizant of it. I tried, it didn't take long because I took a lot of offense to um, people who were, um, you know, for example, um, caregivers, uh, uh, people at the the care center who would um, make the point to look at me and talk to me and ask me, well, what would he like to do about this? Or what what would he, um, what does he think? What would you like him to do? And I said, you know what? My dad is sitting right there. You know, yep. please talk to him. Because I, here's the thing. I didn't know what he could hear, feel, think. That's the thing about this disease. You know, everything we've learned is they, you know, they're not aware, but what if they are what if they are aware? What if he, this man who was a teacher and taught class, you know, what if he was sitting there being disrespected and didn't, wasn't capable of saying something? So that's that's what I did. And then I would just, uh, I was around a lot. I would go to the care center and I would um, be there a lot and have a presence. And I would talk to people, and I wanted to make sure that people knew that I was watching, and that. But I also gave back to them, which is one of my key messages in the writing that I do, is really to say, um, 
you know, you it's a two-way street. You know, these people work hard hours. They, um, they do um, uh, a lot of physical labor, to, you know, helping people with Alzheimer's disease. They, um, so it's, you got to be grateful for what they're doing, too. And when you work together, it becomes um, a really wonderful thing because you both feel respected. You're able to talk to them. They'll, they want to talk to you because you're kind and you're grateful. And then I would tell them all the things about my dad. And one of the articles I wrote and posted on my LinkedIn page, I would love for anybody to connect with me there to see those. Um, one of the things that I wrote about was this is the man, I call it. I mean, this is the man that I described you, to you earlier. And I so desperately wanted people to know him as that man and not this man who was void of expression and, you know, emotion. Um and so those are some things that I that I did, and I wrote about it. I just started writing about my dad, and I honor him now by passing those stories on to his grandchildren. And I feel like that's how I preserved his dignity in a big way. Well, that's you know, you're, and you're teaching your kids such fabulous lessons by caring, you know, yeah. for him and setting that example, and because it could it could hit any of us at any time. And that's one thing I think uh, society doesn't quite appreciate enough that, you know, this is way more common than people have any clue of at all. And it's, and it's not just the old, it's all ages. And we, you know, we've really got to start looking at this very seriously. I mean, when I remember going out and speaking and doing some training and I'd say, yeah, I met somebody in their fifties or their forties and people would be aghast. And now we're seeing people yeah. in their thirties and their twenties and even their <laughs> teens. Again, we're, we're, we're not yeah. seeing a, a lot of it, but it is happening. It is starting to be diagnosed. So this isn't, this isn't about old age. Um, you know, this is, no. this is a, a chronic illness that needs research and it needs support from its community. It does. And, and I can't tell you, and my daughter's listening right now. Hi, honey. Um, <laughs> my daughter, Britt, she um, so often as an adult now, looking back at that time when I was caring for Bop-Bop, that she learned from me. She watched me model um, love and care in a way that, you know, she'd always felt it from me, but she actually witnessed it and watched it, and she pulled from that experience and utilizes it in her everyday life um, and her work. She uh, also works in public relations and is a writer, and she she writes about her grandfather. She um, wants to, she, she started to, to volunteer with the Alzheimer's Association in Chicago and, and is, a lead, is in a leadership role there. Um, and because of what she witnessed, and she wants to help other families now. So it's, um, you never know what you're doing. You know, something, again, something that seems so hard if you stop and look at the good things, and sometimes it takes time to see it manifest, but now to watch my daughter and what she's doing to help other people and be an advocate and a spokesperson for Alzheimer's is, it just, it makes me so proud. And my dad would be so proud. 
to know that um, we are carrying on his legacy in so many ways and helping other people because that's what our that's a core value of our family is helping other people and being there for our friends and family who need us. So now we've been able to have all kinds of friends that we maybe haven't even met yet that we're helping, and that's why I'm so honored to be here today and hope that I can shed some light on some things for uh, all of you who are listening. Well, that's wonderful. I know my daughter's kind of stepped into that role, too. The last thing I think she wanted to be like was her mother, and now she um, works in memory care as an activities <laughs> coordinator. Oh, and she wow, that's she, awesome. And she loves her job. She she loves her people, you know. And it's it's just nice to see that that compassion, you know, come out yes. in in your kids yes. and stuff. It's really a very very cool thing. Um, yeah, what, it is. Can you kind of expand on some of the lessons that you learned from your caregiving experience? It might be helpful for others to know. Um, do you have yes. some some key thoughts on that? I do, Lori. Um, The way that I describe it is lead with your love and go with your gut. Because you're going to feel like, you know, oh, did I make the right decision? How could I do that? There was one point where I had to bring my dad to another facility because his medications were not um, in sync and he was um, becoming aggressive. My kind, gentle giant was becoming aggressive and it was the most crazy, out-of-character thing for him. But, um, and then, um, he, so I, um, felt very guilty about that. I thought that, is this right? Am I doing it right? And, um, I, I realized that, um, I, I couldn't, I, I really was trying to, um, uh, make a decision. My, my decision was made if I, well, with my gut. My gut feeling was I had to do this for him, and I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to question it. So, Kari, you went with your gut. Your gut told you you needed to do this, and your love told you that it's going to be okay because you were doing your best. Um, yep. So, um, so that's something that I learned. Um, the other thing is that. Again, being present. Um, there are wonderful um, people out there who serve people with Alzheimer's in these memory care units, and they they do their very best every day. And um, so I, um, I, 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 but I did experience some things that were really a problem for me because I walked in and I saw this man. I saw my dad, who was this huge sports hero, and he was playing this game in the, on the memory care unit that, uh, where you had a little noodle and, and balloons and they were hitting them around, and I, oh, I just, it just hit me in the wrong way because I was so humiliated for him. And so I think that with that respect and kindness and gratitude for what people are doing, there also comes a need to advocate and that it's okay to say, um, you know, this isn't working for me because my dad, here's why, you know, because mm-hmm. my dad 
is uh, was a huge athlete, and and I, it's just hard for me to watch this. And then they were respectful of that, and then they did other activities when he was present. So yeah. that's a that's a big thing. And I'm I'm gonna just um, comment on that because I think it's something that we all struggle with. I know I struggled with it too. But one of the things that that I have found through my gosh, you know, thirty thirty five year journey, you know, in in dementia right now is that um, for me, anyways, I found moments like that my ego was getting in the way because my mom wasn't who she mm-hmm. used to be, and I really mm-hmm. had to learn to focus on was was she present? Was she was she focused? Was she enjoying it? And and sometimes I I focused I and I'll admit I got angry because it was like no that's not that's that's not who I want to remember or how I want to remember because I was looking at it in a in a effect that this wasn't respectful or it wasn't whatever I had this situation um, I'll, I'll use the example of my own family where my my um, the nursing home my mom dressed up they had like a red hats lady day. And they had makeup uh-huh. and they had feather boas and they had red hats and, you know, all the things. And my brother's like, that is so disrespectful. That is ridiculous. I'm like, look at the smile on mom's face. Mom yeah. is having a ball. Yeah. Mom is having yeah. a ball. And, and so one of the things I think, and again, maybe your dad wasn't enjoying it. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, I think as, as care partners, sometimes we have to step back and go, who are we trying to protect here? In, in what right. are we trying to Right, and you know protect? what, Lori, you're so right, and just you saying that makes me think. Maybe to my dad, who was, um, I mean, I just have to share a quick story that will help you understand this. Um, so my dad was an amazing baseball player. He played Legion ball in southern Minnesota. The day that the scouts from the major leagues were coming to scout his game, he had to report to the Army. He was drafted and had to report to the Army, so they didn't see him play ball. His coach and every player on that team said that my dad would have been drafted in the major leagues that day had he been there. That's how good he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I that story, that tape of that story played in my head when I saw that. But now that you say that, I'm thinking maybe to my dad at that moment, he was playing baseball. And he felt yep. happy about it, that, that he was able to hit a, hit a ball, even though it was a balloon, but something that was so innate and so so part of his DNA, he was able to do it. So mm-hmm. that's it. I, I thank you for helping me realize that, that that was probably something that he enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one of, but one of the things is they go back, a lot of them go back in time. And so he might have been a small boy just playing outside, depending on where he was at stage wise and, um, or, you know, or not, he might've seen, he might've seen it like you just described. I mean, we don't really know, but I think, I think looking at really seriously looking at their nonverbal signs and of course their verbal signs as well, but where are they? Are they peaceful? Are they joyful? Are they happy? Are they content? Right. Or, right. or are they are they looking frustrated and mad and and angry and antsy, you know? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we don't look at that because our emotions are so dang strong, and they run really deep. They are. 
And and so it's it's really easy just to go. I mean, and I I've gone off on those a zillion times. You know, <laughs> you know when I was caring for my mom. I and, know. And things. I it's, know. It's, it's normal because we are now the protectors. You know, and they protected us all of our we lives. Are. And so so we're but we have to we have to learn to figure out what are we protecting? Is it is it them or is it our memory? And if it's if it's right. our memory. You know, this is still an opportunity to create new memories and relive that because for me, for me, what I found, and it sounds like you have through your journey, when your dad was was happy and content and loving, I mean, those are the things that melt your heart. And it doesn't make any difference what they look like because it's all about how they made you feel. That's right. And there was another moment that I think is really important to bring out because I don't know if this is a universal thing. Or if it was just my dad. So my husband's mother and my dad grew up in the same town. So they knew each other. And before my husband and I even found each other, they knew each other. And um, when they would get together, they would sit at the dining room table and they would talk about the past. And they would talk, we'd say, listen to dad. It's like he doesn't even have Alzheimer's. They'd say, oh, remember Lefty Johnson and he lived down the, on this street and remember we used to play and, oh, yes, Norm, I remember that. And they would go on and on and it was remarkable. And so I, it's worth a test if you know people who your loved one was really close to when they were young and you can get them together. Um, I, I find there was so much joy in that, those moments that day for my dad um, well, and, because I and think he is- just was really – it's so yeah. true, those re- reminiscing moments. Like my parents would go out, my, again, my dad had brain cancer, my mom had dementia, and they would go out for lunch or whatever, and nobody thought anything was wrong. Well, somebody was picking my folks up, you know, and I would go over and make sure that they were groomed properly. My dad had enough money, you know, for lunch or whatever the heck they were going to do, and then they would come home, and they would always go talk about old times. And so then all of a sudden, you know, their friends are inviting them you know, come on down to Texas with this vacation, and my folks get back, oh, yeah, we're going to, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's no way they could maneuver an airport or pack or travel. There's, and, <laughs> right, and then I would, right. have to, and I would have to undo all that. But, but that taught me, and I didn't even realize it because I was in my daughter protective mode. I want them to, you know, the digni- be dignified, and, 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 but I was hiding, I was hiding the disease. And that really wasn't fair to yeah. their friends either because then they couldn't help on other levels. And we all know how good right. it feels to help somebody. And so then I would get really mad at their friends. What did you do that? And they're like, well, we didn't know. They look, they seem fine. You know? <laughs> no. Right, but, right. But those, those old memories are so, so strong. Now, you had mentioned that you used um, aromatherapy and, and things yeah. and, and how that also benefited you, which I think is is wonderful. And now, did you hire a geriatric care manager or anything to assist I you? I did. I did. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even know that they exist. The only reason I did is because um, Deborah was a client of mine. So she came to my company to help promote her business and get the word out to adult children that she was available to help. And so, you know, at the time when I worked with her, I, I was certainly sensitive to her clients and what they were going through. But then when I suddenly found myself in that position, um, I felt very lucky to have made that connection and knew it was there. And I, I called her 
and she was a godsend. I mean, not only um, just taking some of the burden off of me but uh, and my sister, but she also um, is, has all these resources. So mm-hmm. all some of the resources that I mentioned before, you know, like here in Minnesota, the Senior Linkage Line and these organizations that can help direct you. I had a, my own personal Senior Linkage Line. So um, my dad would would uh, go into the hospital, and then um, he couldn't go back. For, and it was kind of more of my mom a little bit because of the physical stuff. But um, when they Deborah would arrange transitional care, she's the person who told me that you're best to have your dad stay in a care center in his community because that's really important to him. So he might know people in the care center when he's there. My mom just wanted the nice-looking one with the pretty drapes and all that kind of stuff. So she was, unfortunately, in in another care center. But um, Deborah helped me through all of that and all those decisions. She checked to see if my dad had veterans benefits that could help me pay for his care. She... um, took care of his, um, all of his uh, Medicare Part D, like all of his prescription drug plans and his his health insurance, making sure she would shop around and get me the best deal every time it was up for renewal. And she was there for moral support. She was my advocate if there were questions in the care center, and I didn't know um, even the questions to ask. I would bring her in, and she would talk to the social worker. She would talk to the staff. Um, my friend um, uh, Jane is another person I brought in. She ended up coming in and doing a whole essential oils training in my dad's care center so other caregivers and families could could learn about this amazing thing. So um, just having someone uh, in your court, like as a geriatric care manager, was such a blessing. And depending on where you live, I mean, I, I didn't, think that it was that unaffordable. I thought it was really quite affordable and worth every penny um, because of what it, the burden it took off me. There's a publication called Minnesota Good Age Magazine, and um, I wrote an article that if you, you know, go online and you go to Minnesota Good Age and Google my name, you'll find an article on hiring a geriatric care manager and um, that, that people might find helpful. Oh sure. Well, that's that's wonderful um, because people, like I said, geriatric care manager, people don't have a clue what the heck that no. was at all. And then to have have friends come in and help support and and things, you know, we never know who has what talents or skills until you talk no. about what it is you need, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't know you did that, you know. And right. I have. I know on my journey, I had so many people step up and, and do things. One was uh, um, a singer and a videographer that came in and, and videotaped my mom for some kind of music therapy. And those are like the most precious moments. And they gave that to me as a gift. And you know, I've got oh, that up on, on YouTube. And, and some of those have like 65,000 hits on them. And it, but they're just right. those, those little precious moments that we forget how did your, your caregiver experience lead you to kind of change your career path? Did it affect that? Yeah, at all? well, you know, well, here, it sure did. And here's the thing, you know, my parents were both teachers, okay? They taught all of their, their entire career. And um, my dad was um, really <laughs> uh, a key player in my making this decision. What I didn't know 
as I was loving my dad through Alzheimer's and loving my mom through her disabilities, I didn't realize that they were preparing me. They were continuing to teach. They were teaching me what I needed to know to do what I'm doing today. And um, sometimes those um, those lessons were hard, and I I did I did pass some. I failed some. <laughs> I would have gotten a bad report card in some situations. <laughs> But uh, I I learned what I needed to know to be able to go on and do what I'm doing. So that, you know, I I worked in the senior market and I'd written about Alzheimer's. I you know I helped bring Alzheimer's um, out of the closet here in Minnesota and, and position it as a family disease. I couldn't get the media to cover it because well you know that's older people and people are forgetful. Like no, you don't understand. People's whole family, their lives are turned upside down. There are children whose grandparents don't even know who they are anymore. There are there are adult children who are missing so many days at work because they have to be there to care for their parents. This is a this is a family disease, and so um, there were so many times I wrote about it and did it, but I never until you experience it. You know how ironic that I you know I produced a one hour live television special on Alzheimer's that aired across the country. And and but then years later, my dad got the disease, and and suddenly my whole life changed. And so I really feel like you know my, the combination of my my work I'd always done, but really the caregiving experience made me realize. And and people coming to me, my adult children, friends were coming to me and saying, "This is what I'm seeing." I became this resource all of a sudden. Like you did this, you know, you understand this. And I'd be like, yeah, here's what you need to do. You know, if you want Medicare to pay for that transitional care, you got to make sure they're admitted to the hospital and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, I am so called to do this and, and help other people in this way that I, I am in little snippets. And now it launched my new chapter of my career of, about writing about, um, about it and supporting adult children and educating them, working with organizations that, that um, you know, manage and run care homes, getting them the information they need to provide to adult children so they don't feel alone and don't mm-hmm. feel isolated. Um, that has been, it's been incredible. Um, I, I never, I've never felt so, so where I'm supposed to be in my whole life. And I, I've had a good career as I had, you know, six years working in local television as a producer and a TV news assignment editor. I worked in, in a big, you know, a bigger agency uh, for 27 years doing PR and loving it. Um, but I am home now. I am in a place now where I can do this every day, and it feels so good to me. And so many people said, oh, you need to talk to Lori Lebay. And, you know, you're, there's all these other people like you, Lori, who, are, who share my mission and so um, together, um, you know, I really hope that we can continue to help uh, support, educate, and uh, just make people feel they're not alone. You can get through this. You can love through this disease and look back and think, you know what, I did everything I can. I have no regrets. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny that you say, you know, you, you feel at home. This is where you're supposed to be. Uh, that is exactly how I feel, too. And when I go back and I, you know, you look at the dots of your life, they just 
they just take you right here. And it's like, this is, I, I feel really confident. This is what I was born to do. You know, yeah. and it, and it yeah. wasn't on my radar, nothing I thought of um, ever doing. It just happened. It, yet it feels so natural. And it's, there's so much synergy um, with people in need. And, you know, you get those, you yeah. link up with those people yeah. of passion and you can just really move mountains. Well, this has been just a fascinating conversation, Kari. I, I can't thank you enough um, for for being on the show and sharing your story. Now, I know people can um, get you through LinkedIn and I've got that, that um link for them on the radio page or the blog, wherever they're looking. And they can also get to your website too, editbeinc.com. And so if you're looking for for a writer, um, you know, especially in healthcare with dementia, she would be wonderful, but she's got, as she, you know, as you heard, many, many other skill sets as well. So I just, uh, I can't thank you you enough for your time today. Anything else that you want to add that we might have missed? Um, I just want to um, wish everyone who, you know, whether you're caring for people, you know, or you're a professional caregiver, you're a family caregiver, um, just know that there are people out here who um, you're not alone. You know, that's that's my biggest uh, wish for all of you is to know that you're not alone and that this is a really horrible disease. But you can you can live and love through it and feel at the end of that journey that it was a life well lived. And so I leave you with that and I wish everyone all the best and um in your own personal journey. Wonderful. Well thank you. That's a beautiful, beautiful way to wrap up and I, I just love this title, Loving Them Through Dementia, because it's just such a healthy way to go through it. And as we know, when we love somebody, that doesn't mean everything's perfect all the time. It just means you That's continue, right. continue that to is be so there. Right. And, and sometimes it's us Absolutely. that's not perfect. It's them. And, but learning to kind of uh, let go of that guilt and that inner self-critic that kind of beats us up in this caring journey there, there's just so many lessons to learn and to, um, and things that we need to release to move forward to to really have more Absolutely. intimate, um, you know, engaged, joyful moments. And if we can look for those things, we we will find them. So again, thank you so much, yeah. everyone. Um, Carrie, it was a great show, and I want to thank our listeners. And I hope that you like and click and share this episode with all those in need. And many in your sphere probably don't even know that they need this because a lot of people don't even identify as a caregiver um, or a care partner, care companion. They they say, hey, I'm I'm a wife, I'm a husband, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, I'm a friend. And so you know we need to push this message out because. Not only does it help those dealing with Alzheimer's, but, you know, the things that Kari talked about are applicable in all of our life. And they've got beautiful messages to make each and every one of us a better human being. So thank you so much. In the meantime, feel free to check out alzheimerspeaks.com where you can get a lot of other resources. You might want to go to our initiations and projects page Uh, There's information on becoming dementia-friendly, the Purple Angel Project, which is a symbol you can use 
um, to help raise awareness. There's our wonderful dementia chat interviews where I facilitate a conversation with people with dementia and they tell us what they really want. Um, our last conversation we had was about building communities, uh, dementia-friendly communities. We just did another one on pain and how that affects them. So there's all kinds of uh, resources there. Please uh, don't hesitate to reach out and grab them. Have a wonderful 4th of July, and um, we'll talk very soon. Bye now. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.